Welcome to a little bit of Python, episode one, with Andrew Kuchling, Jesse Noller, Brett Cannon, Michael Ford, and myself, Steve Holden. I'm Steve Holden. I'm the chairman of the Python Software Foundation, which gives me a huge amount of leeway to ignore my own financial best interests in running my own business, Holden Web LLC, which does Python and other systems design and implementation consulting and training. And I've been a Python user now for almost 15 years. I'm Michael Ford. I've been developing with Python since about 2002. Um, I'm a I maintain the unit test uh, standard library testing framework in, in Python, and I'm currently, well, I've just switched to freelancing. I'm currently working with a firm in Germany developing with Django and also with IronPython in Silverlight, and I'm also the author of IronPython in Action. Brett? Uh, my name is Brett Cannon. I'm currently a PhD candidate at the University of British Columbia. Uh, I started using Python in the fall of 2000, became a core developer in April 2003, and I'm also currently the Executive Vice President of the Python Software Foundation. Okay, Jesse? I'm Jesse Noller. I'm the maintainer of the multiprocessing module uh, for Python, um, full-time Python uh, developer uh, coming out of Boston. And is Andrew still with us, Andrew? Yes. I'm Andrew Kushling. I'm a web developer in Fairfax, Virginia, and I'm also a former Python core developer. I still have commit access, but these days most of what I do is writing. And so we decided that today's topics should be the 2.7 version 2.7 end of life considerations. The moratorium on the further development of the Python language the first of the topics is going to be the moratorium. And for those of you who don't read PEPS, uh, the relevant uh, Python enhancement proposal is PEP 3003, which came from an ideas uh, suggestion by Guido van Rossum, Python's founder and uh, inventor, who feels that perhaps it would be a good idea to let other implementations catch up with CPython before we start to throw too many more changes into the language. Would you all say that's a fair summary of the thrust of the PEP? Yeah, and I, I'd say the interesting thing about the, the moratorium is that although it applies to the, the language, and so the language syntax can't change for the, the next couple of years, and it also applies to the, the built-in objects, one of the things it gives us a chance to do is to improve the quality of the standard library. It doesn't, uh, it's not a moratorium on changes in the standard library. Well, no, quite. In fact, the title of the PEP is Python Language Moratorium, isn't it? And so not only can, uh, is the suggestion that we, we, well, all right, the suggestion is that we don't, that no more new built-ins are added, that the language syntax effectively becomes immutable other than fixing any ambiguities that may be discovered in it. Uh, that the language will continue to operate as it is, pretty much, and that there will be no new future imports during the period of the moratorium. And I think Guido was suggesting, was it an 18-month moratorium? 18 to 24-month moratorium. More or less. The idea is for the moratorium to actually last uh, for the entire length of development of Python 3.3. Uh, and with Python 3.2 due... 
Which I'm not sure. Is it due at the end of 2010, roughly? The, well, the, release can, yeah, the release candidates go through May and June with... Um, the 3.2 final due at the end of, uh, end of June is the current schedule, I think. That's interesting. The PEP actually says the moratorium would include Python 3.2 to be released 18 to 24 months after 3.1? Well, so the schedule the schedule that we're looking at right now, too, is uh, was sent out by Benjamin, uh, I'd say a couple of weeks ago. And actually, after that schedule was posted, the moratorium was approved. And then there's a current discussion about the exact links uh, between the releases. Uh, Guido has been kind of staunchly in the camp of, I think, 18 months, 18 months between releases. Yep. Um, but Benjamin's schedule didn't exactly match that. So that's still kind of up in the air as far as I'm aware. Well, I think it's probably, right. it's probably a good thing to have a good long time because there was very little time between the 3.0 and the 3.1 releases because it was mostly, 3.1 was mostly an efficiency release in the I.O. area, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, the, the decision is that, um, that 3.2 should definitely follow at least 18 months afterward, uh, after the 3.1, whenever that was. So. What we're really saying then is that there's going to be an unusual period of stability in the language after this brief hiccup where the developers allowed themselves to break compatibility with, with the Python 2 range. Basically, the best way to view the schedule is to view it as, as the language stands in Python, in Python 3.1 will be the way it is for Python 3.2 and 3.3, and no new additions will come about until Python 3.4, if at all. Terrific. And so, what I other- mean, in, in, in addition to the basic, the basic ideas of allowing the other interpreters uh, and other implementations to catch up, what people have to keep in mind is Python over the last five years has added a ton of syntax, a ton of built-ins, a ton of future imports. Then we turned around, and after adding all of that syntax and all those changes into the 2x release, we also turned around and released Python 3, which is a major overhaul with major syntax changes. Yeah. And the fact is, is that most of the stuff hasn't been able to see production use, widespread production use. We don't know if everything we put in over the last five years actually will stand the test of time. Well, and I think there was some feeling among certain portions of the, the Python user base that the language was, if you like, going too far. I mean, some people said well, why don't we just keep it at 2.5 and, and not change the language at all? I mean, some people would have been quite happy not introducing the Python 3 series, although I think that might long-term have been a mistake. But, yeah, I think you have to bear in mind that people don't... People use Python to actually get jobs done. They're not infinitely fascinated by the various new bits and pieces that can be put in, and if those bits and pieces don't happen to be useful for the majority of people's production jobs, then probably the developers wouldn't have been doing the user base a favor by putting them in. So it is going to be interesting to see what gets included, and, you know, what gets, gets used and what doesn't. I remember this topic came up a couple of years ago on the Python dev mailing list, and there was one developer there who said, well, nothing fundamentally new has been added to Python. It's uh, 1.5.2. But I, I think that, I mean, there is a lot of new stuff that's come in. I'm looking at some of the things like David Beasley, for example, his presentation on some of the really cool stuff you can do with the, the really new generator stuff with sending values back into it. I mean, I haven't had a, a chance to really digest that and really see what that makes possible. And I think that's going to, in the long run, it's going to change our Python code. It's going to take time to digest it. I think it's a good time, a, a good thing that we, that we pause and, and, and digest what we've already done. Yes, I'd agree. 
and it, it's something it's so, something I've been watching. It's I, I have this unhealthy obsession with you know blogs and you know stuff online, etc. And one of the things I've been seeing that's really actually been bothering me is this is this assertion that we're freezing and we're putting this moratorium in place because all of us think that Python is done, right? The syntax is complete. The built-ins are complete. I, I think people need to understand that's categorically false. Um, no one thinks that it's done. No one thinks that we're not going to change anything. We're actually putting this in place so that it slows things down just a little bit so that other people can catch up, so that developers can catch up, so that OS vendors can catch up. Um, and, and I think, in a way, this reflects the fact that, that some of the really exciting things that are happening with Python at the moment are in the alternative implementations. So they're in yep. PyPy, Unladen's and I'm Python and Jython. I mean, there's, there's an enormous amount going on in the Python world. Well, right. When you look at the other developments, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that C Python in a year's time isn't going to be the fastest Python implementation. There are already signs in in Iron Python that there are certain programs who will run much faster in Iron Python on the CLR than they will in C Python. And so, unless the unladen swallow guys actually merge their stuff back into C Python, uh, either Iron Python or PyPy might well be a faster implementation in a year or eighteen months' time. I hope so. I hope so. Well, another thing we should also underline for people who maybe don't know too much about the the different developments of, of, of Python. I mean, okay, first of all, Iron Python is an implementation that runs in the .NET environment on, on top of the common language runtime. There's Jython, which takes Python and compiles it into bytecode for the Java machine. And then there's PyPy, P-Y-P-Y, which is an implement, a re-implementation of, of the Python system using the Python language as its base implementation. And they're experimenting with all kinds of just-in-time tricks and so on to, to get better execution speed. But all of the major implementations are apparently committed to implementing the language as it's currently implemented in Python 3, 3.1 and 3.0 being essentially the same grammar. So if this moratorium works, that means that uh, by the end of an 18-month or two-year period, we'll have all of the major implementations using the same language, and that's got to be a good thing, I, I would say. I think Python 3 support for the various runtimes is actually probably more than a year off. Uh, frankly, I think most of them are going to catch up to Python 2.6, and then they're going to say, okay, this is our checkpoint, and then they're going to move over to Python 3. Um, and I don't see... Hey, Michael, is uh, Iron Python 2.6 now? It's a release candidate signal, as we speak. So yeah. Iron Python 2.6 finally is... Yeah. So I mean, it's it's most of them are going to be targeting two two uh, x for a while, and I mean Python three, like I said, it's 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 a very large monkey wrench for implementers and users. So it's going to it's going to take the better part of the moratorium to get all of those. Like they're going to have their two point x syntax release, then they're going to have a new release, their Python three release, and so we're looking at least a year and a half. Oh sure. Uh, for them to but, but that brings us completely on to the, the next topic, which is two point seven end of life, uh, and what happens, and, and certainly for, for, for I and Python for the .NET framework, and I also imagine for, for, for the Java guys, uh, Python three is a lot better fit for those platforms because those platforms are one of the big changes in Python three is that um, 
the strings are all Unicode, and um, yeah, and those platforms, .NET and, and Java, they're already um, they're already using Unicode strings underneath, so they're going to actually be a lot easier for them to implement. So it's, I mean, it, kind of, kind of my last thoughts on the moratorium is that people need to realize this isn't the end of Python. The the fact is is that I don't think any of us, uh, Guido included think that there's nothing else we want to add. I mean, you, you always see clamoring for, you know, tail recursion and, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And the fact is, is that we have to we have to take into consideration everything we've already added, plus the things that are coming down the pike, i.e. Python 3, before we can go and do these changes. We have to fundamentally ask ourselves, you know, does this change actually change what Python is versus just adding a feature? Yep. So this isn't a bad thing. It's a breather. It's technic- It's basically just Python dev taking a breather and reflecting upon what we have done up to this point, especially with all the changes in Python 3 that have not widely been distributed to the community and just looking at it and going, was this worth it, was this not? And while we're taking a breather, allowing everyone to catch up behind CPython's implementation and just meet us at the running line while we're taking our breathers so we can all move forward as an entire community and move the language forward because as Jesse said this is definitely not a stop on Python it's just a breather we're going to keep going after we catch our breath and are ready to move forward again In the PEP 3003 document, it says that 2.7 is expected to be the effective end of life of the Python 2 series code, with 3.x releases being the future. So, what what are the implications of this? Well, no I more think one, yeah, what Jesse's implying is the way Python is currently developed is we are at the moment using Subversion, and we use SVN merge to merge changes between all the releases. Now, what people need to keep in mind is since Python 3 came into existence, we essentially have four branches under development. We have a stable branch for Python 2, which is currently 2.6. We have trunk, which is 2.7. We have what we call the Py3k branch, which is Python 3.2 at the moment, and then also stable in Python 3, which is Python 3.1, which means anytime there's a bug that actually is found that affects all four versions, that needs to be fixed in all four, which can include actually a decent amount of tweaking if there's a if it straddles a change between Python 2 and Python 3, which basically means bug fixes at the moment, at least for the developers, can be rather time-consuming and very annoying. So not having to do that anymore will definitely be a good thing. From a core developer's point of view, at least from my personal view, having the Python 2 series end at 2.7, meaning 2.7 becomes a maintenance release, and we no longer have a trunk release off of it, will cut it cut us down to three branches and just make it that much more easier to do development. So just to say that this isn't a, this isn't a done deal yet. The, the suggestion is that Python 2.7 is the last release of Python 2, and that Python 2 then goes into maintenance and Python 3 becomes the, the main branch and all future, all new features and further development happens on Python 3. But that's not definitely being set in stone yet. Well, I mean, frankly, I'd be surprised if it wasn't because for as long as I've had the commit bit, I think that's been like two years, two and a half years. Ever since I got the bit flipped, I have been under the direct impression that 2.7 was going to be the end of life. 
Yeah, unofficially, it's been 2.7 at the Language Summit at PyCon in 2009 this past year. Uh, it was generally agreed upon by everyone in attendance that 2.7 would most likely or basically would be the end of life. Uh, there has actually been there was brief talk about uh, having 2.6 actually be the end, although that looks like it's been kind of died. I, and I think, kind of I think all the people have merged, who've gone through the pain of merging their code onto the 2.7 branch, as they feel that it was yeah, no, no one wants to lose all that work. Effort to, to have not that. I think that was why. We, well, we I mean, 2.7 is going to have a life of its own if nothing more is a. Uh, bigger ramp into Python 3. I mean, yeah. remember, there's a ton of hooks inside of Python 2.6 to get people so that they can be semi-compatible with Python 3. 2.7 is just going to ease that ramp even more, ease that transition. So it's worth releasing it just for that fact. Um, that and I have a bunch of multiprocessing fixes that would be great to get in. Python On Python dev, where there were some developers saying why should I port my code to Python 3? Because as far as I can tell, not very many people are, are using it, and the, the, the libraries that I need um, haven't been ported yet. Isn't that going to be a problem for, for, for all the, the people out there who are relying on it? Well, of course, just because someone's relying on Python 2 doesn't mean that they have to move to 3. I mean, as long as they don't want the new features of 3, then you know, they can stay with, with Python 2 pretty much as long as they want. As I don't, I've never heard any suggestion that people will, that the developers will stop releasing bug fixes for, for Python 2 for at least another two years after, after its release, I would have thought, if not, if not longer. Part of this, though, is is the concept that if you build it, they will come. So if I if I were and I actually have this quite frequently, um, if I if I'm approached by somebody and they say, "Hey, listen, what should I use, Python two or Python 3? I say, "Listen, install them both for your greenfield code, the stuff that doesn't have any external dependencies. Yeah. Try out Python three. For anything that actually depends on external modules, use Python two. Until those external modules port over and we give them the assistance that they need and they start seeing that, hey, there's a lot more features in Python 3 than Python 2 that makes our lives easier as library maintainers, I don't think we're going to get the critical mass that we need to push people into Python 3 or guide them rather. Well, I think we we do as a as a as a language. We do actually probably need to start doing some positive support of people porting their code to, to three because I think we we've got to get at some stage we've got to get all the major libraries available in three. Yeah, and if Python two continues development forever, people will just keep going. Oh, I don't really need to switch to three. There's the next version of two I'll use. So it's kind of a sticking carrot, right? We're 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 going to release two seven. More, more 95%, I'd bet, 2.7 is going to be the end of life for Python 2. Yeah. Now, we will have security fixes for at least five years. I suspect we will at least do point releases for year or two, probably, at least. But the point is, is if we kept releasing, everyone would just keep staying on 2. But if we end of life 2 and basically say, okay, after this point, we're going to start working on it, the hope is people will go, oh, well, now I'll, t I'll consider looking at 3 since 2 is no longer going forward. They'll see the new features and actually realize how much benefit there is to actually switching, and that will hopefully get momentum going to get the library switched so that people will actually start using Python 3. Well, not only that, of course, but literature and that kind of thing is, is going to become increasingly Python 3-oriented. I'm writing a set of courses for O'Reilly at the moment, and that's being done in Python 3 because this, these courses are supposed to have quite a long lifetime, and if they have a long lifetime, clearly we want to be aiming at the right language. 
it's in and, and so this all kind of like like you said before this all dovetails with the moratorium um i was actually joking uh, david beasley was joking with me he's like you know if you want to see you know what effect all these changes that you're doing into the language and the interpreter etc uh, or how, how they actually affect us uh, as writers and developers. He's like, you know, try writing a book against Python right now, or writing a course. Is, is in your case, Steve? Well, indeed, yeah. I mean, I, we took the decision when we had to, we had to decide what what version of the language are we going to use, and and we decided to use three simply because it, it didn't make sense to do anything else. Three clearly is the future. I think that there's there's a huge overlap between version 2 and version 3 which should be helpful to people who have libraries of their own to port or who, who or who have code that they want to port but I think there's there's no doubt that in in 18 months time I'm going to be wanting to be using Python 3 and and not primarily Python 2 even though Python 2.7 is going to remain a, a viable platform for long after that period yeah, if any, for any other reason, various Linux distributions that have uh, long life releases, such as Ubuntu and Red Hat Enterprise, Enterprise Linux, those themselves will obviously lead to 2.7, um, or the Python 2 series lasting for quite a while. So no one should think that the core developers aren't at least aware that people have real-life code out there and are going to have to support systems that continue to use 2, but we do have to try to get the community moving forward so that we can get start using three. As, and as Steve said, it's, it definitely is the future. From a personal standpoint, coding in Python 3 is just so much nicer than Python 2 that I honestly much prefer using three over two, and I use it whenever I can, and I'm always happy for it. Okay, see you soon. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. Bye. 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 This has been episode one of the Little Bit of Python podcast, featuring Steve Holden, Brett Cannon, Michael Ford, Jesse Noller, and myself, Andrew Cushling. Our theme is track 11 from the Headroom Project's album Haifa, released on the Magnitude label. Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.